chapter thirty of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty many years after old father time is a stealthy worker in youth we are scarcely able to appreciate his efforts and oftentimes think him an exceedingly slow and limping old fellow when we ripen into maturity and are fighting our own way through the battle of life we deem him swift enough afoot and sometimes rather hurried but when old age comes on and death and the grave are foretold by trembling limbs and snowy locks we wonder that our course has been so swiftly run and chide old time for a somewhat hasty and precipitate individual the reader must imagine that many years have passed away since the events narrated in the preceding chapters transpired and permit us to reintroduce the characters formally presented without any attempt to describe how that long period has been occupied first of all let us resume our acquaintance with mr stevens to effect this we must pay that gentleman a visit at his luxurious mansion in fifth avenue the most fashionable street of new york the place where the upper ten thousand of that vast bustling city most do congregate as he is an old acquaintance we won't say friend we will disregard ceremony and walk boldly into the library where that gentleman is sitting he is changed yes sadly changed time has been hard at work with him and dissatisfied with what his unaided agency could produce has called in conscience to his aid and their united efforts have left their marks upon him he looks old ay very old the bald spot on his head has extended its limits until there is only a fringe of thin white hair above the ears there are deep wrinkles upon his forehead and the eyes half obscured by the bushy grey eyebrows are bloodshot and sunken the jaws hollow and spectral and his lower lip drooping and flaccid he lifts his hand to pour out another glass of liquor from the decanter at his side when his daughter lays her hand upon it and looks appealingly in his face she has grown to be a tall elegant woman slightly thin and with a careworn and fatigued expression of countenance there is however the same sweetness in her clear blue eyes and as she moves her head her fair flaxen curls float about her face as dreamily and deliciously as ever they did of yore she is still in black wearing mourning for her mother who not many months before had been laid in a quiet nook on the estate at savannah pray papa don't drink any more said she persuasively it makes you nervous and will bring on one of those frightful attacks again let me alone he remonstrated harshly let me alone and take your hand off the glass 
the doctor has forbidden laudanum so i will have brandy instead take off your hand and let me drink i say lizzie still kept her hand upon the decanter and continued gently no no dear pa you promised me you would only drink two glasses and you've already taken three it is exceedingly injurious the doctor insisted upon it that you should decrease the quantity and you are adding to it instead devil take the doctor exclaimed he roughly endeavouring to disengage her hold give me the liquor i say his daughter did not appear the least alarmed at this violence of manner nor suffer her grasp upon the neck of the decanter to be relaxed but all the while spoke soothing words to the angry old man and endeavoured to persuade him to relinquish his intention of drinking any more you don't respect your old father he cried in a whining tone you take advantage of my helplessness all of you you ill-treat me and deny me the very comforts of life i'll tell i'll tell the doctor he continued as his voice subsided into an almost inaudible tone and he sank back into the chair in a state of semi-stupor removing the liquor from his reach his daughter rang the bell and then walked towards the door of the room who procured that liquor for my father she asked of the servant who entered i did miss answered the man hesitatingly let this be the last time you do such a thing she rejoined eyeing him sternly unless you wish to be discharged i thought you all fully understood that on no consideration was my father to have liquor unless by the physicians or my order it aggravates his disease and neutralizes all the doctor's efforts and unless you wish to be immediately discharged never repeat the same offence now procure some assistance it is time my father was prepared for bed the man bowed and left the apartment but soon returned saying there was a person in the hall who had forced his way into the house and who positively refused to stir until he saw mr stevens he has been here two or three times added the man and he is very rough and impudent this is the most singular conduct exclaimed miss stevens did he give his name yes miss he calls himself mccloskey at the utterance of this well-known name mr stevens raised his head and stared at this speaker with a look of stupid fright and inquired who here what name is that speak louder what name mccloskey answered the man in a louder tone what he he cried mr stevens with a terrified look where where is he he continued endeavouring to rise where is he stop pa interposed his daughter alarmed at his appearance and manner do stop let me go no no said the old man wildly seizing her by the dress to detain her you must not go that would never do he might tell her he muttered to himself no no i'll go and thus speaking he made another ineffectual attempt to reach the door dear father do let me go she repeated imploringly you are incapable of seeing any one let me inquire what he wants she added endeavouring to loose his hold upon her dress no you shall not he replied clutching her dress still tighter and endeavouring to draw her towards him oh father she asked 
distractedly what can this mean here said she addressing the servant who stood gazing in silent wonder on this singular scene help my father into his chair again and then tell this strange man to wait a while the exhausted man having been placed in his chair motioned to his daughter to close the door behind the servant who had just retired he wants money said he in a whisper he wants money he'll make beggars of us all and yet i'll have to give him some quick give me my cheque-book let me give him something before he has a chance to talk to any one quick quick the distracted girl wrung her hands with grief at what she imagined was a return of her father's malady and exclaimed oh if george only would remain at home it is too much for me to have the care of father whilst he is in such a state then pretending to be in search of the cheque-book she turned over the pamphlets and papers upon his desk that she might gain time and think how it was best to proceed whilst she was thus hesitating the door of the room was suddenly opened and a shabbily dressed man bearing a strong odour of rum about him forced his way into the apartment saying i will see him damn it i don't care a porth how sick he is let me go or by the powers i'll murther some of yis the old man's face was almost blanched with terror when he heard the voice and saw the abrupt entry of the intruder he sprang from the chair with a great effort and then unable to sustain himself sunk fainting on the floor oh you have killed my father you have killed my father who are you and what do you want that you dare thrust yourself upon him in this manner said she stooping to assist in raising him cannot you see he is entirely unfit for any business mr stevens was replaced in his chair and water thrown in his face to facilitate his recovery meanwhile mccloskey had poured himself out a glass of brandy and water which he stood sipping as coolly as if everything in the apartment was in a state of the most perfect composure the singular terror of her father and the boldness and assurance of the intruder were to miss stevens something inexplicable she stood looking from one to the other as though seeking an explanation and on observing symptoms of a return to consciousness on the part of her parent she turned to mccloskey and said appealingly you see how your presence has agitated my father pray let me conjure you go be your errand what it may i promise you it shall have the earliest attention or said she tell me what it is perhaps i can see to it i tend a great deal to father's business pray tell me no no exclaimed the old man who had caught the last few words of his daughter no no not a syllable here i'm well i'm well enough i'll attend to you there there that will do he continued addressing the servant leave the room and you he added turning to his daughter do you go too i am much better now and can talk to him go go he cried impatiently as he saw evidences of a disposition to linger on her part if i want you i'll ring go this person won't stay long not if i get what i came for miss said mccloskey insolently otherwise there is no knowing how long i may stay with a look of apprehension lizzie quitted the room and the murderer and his accomplice were alone together mr stevens reached across the table drew the liquor towards him and recklessly pouring out a large quantity drained the glass to the bottom this seemed to nerve him up and give him courage for he turned to mccloskey and said with a much bolder air than he had yet shown in addressing him so you're back again villain are you i thought and hoped you were dead and he leaned back in his chair 
and closed his eyes as if to shut out some horrid spectre i've been divilish near it squire but providence has preserved me ye see just to be a comfort to ye in your old age i've been shipwrecked blown up in steamboats and i've had favours and cholerae and the divil alone knows what but i've been marcifully preserved to ye and hope ye'll see a good deal of me this many years to come mr stevens glared at him fiercely for a few seconds and then rejoined you promised me solemnly five years ago that you would never trouble me again and i gave you money enough to have kept you in comfort i luxury for the remainder of your life where is it all now that's more than i can tell you squire i only know how it comes i don't trouble myself how it goes that's your lookout if you are anxious on that score you'd better hire a bookkeeper for me he shall send your honour a quarterly account and then it won't come on ye so sudden when it's all out another time insolent muttered mr stevens mccloskey gave mr stevens an impudent look but beyond that took no further notice of his remark but proceeded with the utmost coolness to pour out another glass of brandy after which he drew his chair closer to the grate and placed his dirty feet upon the mantelpiece in close proximity to an alabaster clock you make yourself very much at home said stevens indignantly why shouldn't i answered his tormentor in a tone of the most perfect good humour why shouldn't i in the house of an old acquaintance and particular friend just the place to feel at home eh stevens then folding his arms and tilting back his chair he asked coolly you haven't a cigar have you no replied stevens surlily and if i had you should not have it your insolence is unbearable you appear continued he with some show of dignity to have forgotten who i am and who you are you're mistaken there squire divil a bit have i i'm mccloskey and you are slippery george an animal that's known over the varsal world as a philadelphia lawyer a man that's chated his hundreds and if he lives long enough he'll chate as many more savin his friend mr mccloskey and him he'll not be afther chating because he won't be able to get a chance although he'd like to if he could divil a doubt of that it's false i never tried to cheat you rejoined stevens courageously for the liquor was beginning to have a very inspiriting effect it's a lie i paid you all i agreed upon and more besides but you are like a leech never satisfied you have had from me altogether nearly twenty thousand dollars and you'll not get much more now mind i tell you the divil i won't rejoined he angrily that is yet to be seen how would you like to make your appearance at court some fine morning on the charge of murther eh mr stevens gave a perceptible shudder and looked round whereupon mccloskey said with a malevolent grin ye see i don't stick at words squire i call things by their names so i perceive answered stevens you were not so bold once ha ha laughed mccloskey i know that as well as you then i was under the thumb that was before we were sailing in the one boat now you see squire the boot is on the other leg mr stevens remained quiet for a few moments whilst his ragged visitor continued to leisurely sip his brandy and contemplate the soles of his boots as they were reflected in the mirror above they were a sorry pair of boots and looked as if there would soon be a general outbreak of his toes so thin and dilapidated did the soles appear look at them boots and me suit generally and see if your conscience won't accuse ye of ingratitude to the man who made your fortune or rather lets ye keep it now ye have it isn't it a shame now for me the best friend you've got in the world to be tramping the streets without a penny in his pocket and ye living in clover with gold pieces and plenty as blackberries 
it don't look right squire and mustn't go on any longer what do you want whatever will satisfy you asked stevens if i give you ever so much now what guarantee have i that you'll not return in a month or so and want as much more i'll pledge ye me honour said mccloskey grandly your honour rejoined stevens that is no security security or no security said mccloskey impatiently you'll have to give me the money it's not a bit of use now this disputin because ye see i'm bound to have it and ye are wise enough to know ye'd better give it to me what if ye have given me thousands upon thousands continued he his former good-humoured expression entirely vanishing it's nothing more than you ought to do for keeping your secrets for ye and as long as ye have money ye may expect to share it with me so make me out a good heavy cheque and say no more about it what do you call a heavy cheque asked stevens in a despairing tone five or six thousand coolly answered his visitor five or six thousand echoed mr stevens it is impossible it had better not be said mccloskey looking angry it had better not be i'm determined not to be leading a beggar's life and you to be a rolling in wealth i can't give it and won't give it if it must come to that answered stevens desperately it is you that have the fortune i'm only your banker at this rate i can't give it to you i haven't got that much money you must find it then and pretty quick at that said mccloskey i'm not to be fooled with i came here for money and i must and will have it i'm willing to do what is reasonable rejoined mr stevens in a more subdued tone you talk of thousands as most men do of hundreds i really haven't got it oh bother such stuff as that interrupted mccloskey incredulously i don't believe a word of it i've asked them that know and every one says you're made a mint of money by speculation then since ye sold out in the south and came here to live there's no end to the money ye've made so you see it don't do to be making a poor mouth to me i've come here for a check for five thousand dollars and shan't go away without it concluded he in a loud and threatening tone during this conversation lizzie stevens had been standing at the door momentarily expecting a recall to the apartment she heard the low rumble of their voices but could not distinguish words at length hearing mccloskey's raised to a higher key she could no longer restrain her impatience and gently opening the door looked into the room both their faces were turned in the opposite direction so that neither noticed the gentle intrusion of lizzie who fearing to leave her father longer alone ventured into the apartment you need not stand looking at me in that threatening manner you may do as you please go tell what you like but remember when i fall so do you i've not forgotten that affair in philadelphia from which i saved you don't place me in a situation that will compel me to recur to it to your disadvantage ah don't trouble yourself about that squire i don't that is entirely off my mind for now whittacar is dead where is ye witnesses whittacar dead repeated stevens yes and what's more he's buried so he's safe enough squire and i shouldn't be at all surprised if you'd be glad to have me gone too i would to god you had been before i put myself in your power twas your own hastiness when it came to the pinch i wasn't equal to the job so you couldn't wait for another time but out with your pistol and does it yourself the wretched man shuddered and covered his face as mccloskey coolly recounted his murder of mr garry every word of which was too true to be denied and haven't i suffered said he shaking his bald head mournfully haven't i suffered look at my grey hairs and half palsied frame decrepit before i'm old sinking into the tomb with the weight of guilt and sin upon me that will crush me down to the lowest depth of hell think you he continued that because i am surrounded with all that money can buy that i am happy or ever shall be with this secret gnawing at my heart every piece of gold i count out i see his hands outstretched over it and hear him whisper mine 
he gives me no peace night or day he is always by me i have no rest and you must come adding to my torture and striving to tear from me that for which i bartered conscience peace soul everything that would make life desirable if there is mercy in you leave me with what i give you and come back no more life has so little to offer that rather than bear this continued torment and apprehension i daily suffer i will cut my throat and then your game is over lizzie stevens stood rooted to the spot whilst her father made the confession that was wrung from him by the agony of the moment well well said mccloskey somewhat startled and alarmed at stevens's threat of self-destruction well i'll come down a thousand make it four that'll do answered the old man tremblingly and reaching over he drew towards him the cheque-book after writing the order for the sum he was placing it in the hand of mccloskey when hearing a faint moan he looked toward the door and saw his daughter fall fainting to the ground End of chapter thirty